0: Hello, I'm Oliver Wang.
1: And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, a banger, fire, lava, hot lava. Today, we'll be spinning the clock back to 1991 and the debut hip-hop album by main source, Breaking Atoms.
2: I'll advance to your backside, foot, foot, nine, president, there's some Incons cons where the sun don't shine. So get a flash, dope, spotlight that You got kicked in the ass by the man with the eyes of glass. Fly for me, money, kicking the gold crap. I'll make a go, snap, seeing me all act in this here field. My foot equals yield. Your brakes are simple and revealed while mine are
1: sealed. Coming up with the archeological finds. Funk drums allow me to spark you with rhymes. No journey through hip-hop history is complete without first stopping in New York. And in the 90s, as I was coming to know hip-hop and falling in love, I began to know New York and hip-hop through the boroughs. Who was from where, who did what, and who repped which area. And when it came to Queens, I knew who was repping it. Mob Deep, Nas, and our guest today. Both as a solo artist and as one half of Organized Confusion, Alongside Prince Poetry, this brother has given us a gang of heat rocks. Hip hop folklore, battle raps, and lyrics to go. Spend some time with internal affairs and stress the extinction agenda and hear it for yourself.
2: Y'all know the name. Pharaoh uh. fucking Martin, dead thing uh. You all up in the range of shit, inebriated. Strayed uh-huh. from your original plan, you deviated. I alleviated the pain with long term goals to the underground
3: loop. Without the gold, you so platinum around the world, I so wood in the hood. But when I'm in the street and shit, it's so good.
2: A sooner motivated boom, control the game like boom, way to rock, lock, dollar, fit. tips like a way to block, shots, stout's way to let my lyrics annoy. If you're holding up the wall and you're missing the point.
1: Farrell in three words, he's got bars. Welcome to Heat Rocks. Glad to have you with us.
0: Oh, thank you, guys, man. Thank you for having me. Munch, when you said that you wanted to talk about Breaking Atoms, I love the choice. And part of it is that most of the folks that we've had on usually pick a album that came out when they were kids. And this, you know, something that was formative to them when they were young. You're picking an album whose release really coincides the launch of your own career. And I'm wondering, why was it this album that you wanted to talk about?
3: I really think it's a, a pivotal album in terms of the production and in terms of the writing. You know, I knew large personally during that time. Uh, We had worked with someone who was very instrumental in both of our careers, a producer by the name of Paul C. Right. And so uh, I was in and around and about the studios, infamous 1212 Studio in Queens, that become you know became to know Paul in those in those sessions and seeing him working off afar. as a 18 17 18 19 year old and mm-hmm. i had already knew that he he was like a prodigy so this this project was long awaited for me you know to hear what he would do on his own particular pro- project because he had already started producing for people you know right
1: Where were you when you uh, heard this album? In 1991, when I first heard this album, I was uh, at a party trying to shoot my shot at someone that I thought was really attractive. It didn't work out, Uh, but I I discovered this album. So I have to ask, where were you when you heard this album? How'd you come to know it?
3: We all used to to gather at a a vinyl shop in Queens. It's a local spot where we knew all the DJs and the owner. And... um, we would wait for new material to come out, so we were literally at the store, waiting for the tape to drop. And so that's the tape, you know, the, the the cover dropped, and I just was even the cover. I just thought it was a a real sick cover uh, with the Adams and the record needle and all of that, and uh, the, the DJs around the, the the circular, and it was colorful. And so uh, just from front to back, you know, back then. You would you would take an album home, throw a, throw a red shirt over your lamp, and really <laughs> <laughs> and really like try to get into a record, you know, uh, and study it undisturbed. Unlike now, it's like impossible to do. But yeah, I was in Queens. It was a hot summer. It's it's, it's bugged because I uh, last year was the twenty fifth anniversary of the release, and uh, they asked me to write the forward. And the artwork. And so, I'm, you know, it's a similar, same story. Like, you know, I, I walked from my house, like eight blocks through South Jamaica to go to the store to meet up with everybody to, to, on the date that the record dropped. Mm. And then, you know, they were banging it in the store, but then I went home to study it, you know, for self.
0: Real quick, what vinyl shop was this in Queens that you went to pick oh, up? Oh, man. From? Um, the
3: name of the store was called Hot Wax.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, because you said a moment ago that you knew Large Professor through the Paul C. connection, so had you heard any of the demo stuff or any of the early drafts, or was that first listen to that cassette that you bought
3: at Hot Wax, was that really your first time being able to sit with anything off of this? Yeah, that, that was, like, my first time, you know. Wow. Um It was so, so ahead of his time, like, we were doing sessions with Paul C. where, like, Paul would play drums, or Large would play drums, and you know, we would just rap and really try to do things organically as well. We were all over the place at the time. And not to go into, you know, my history. Yeah, go in. Paul's, yeah, Paul C. passed. he was working on a demo for Organized Confusion. He was a very concisive, pers- precise truncation on the samples and on the drums. And it's where that tutelage, you know, a lot of that tutelage came from. For for large, mm. but uh, I say that to say our demo was very well arranged and orchestrated. And when he passed, we had a couple of labels courting us, and uh, we went on to to record that first album. And it became experimental because uh, we kind of took the reins ourselves mm. and uh, went in, you know, a bunch of different directions. Where I think if Paul C was live he would have. He would have reeled it in <laughs> a little bit, so it, mm. it 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 became a very experimental album because of that situation and circumstance. Mm. But uh, like I said, I remember even like just freestyle sessions where Paul C. would play a joint, or Large Professor would play a joint, and we would just vibe out or mm. or rap and so on and so forth. And uh, I I kind of remember when I heard uh, Live at the Barbecue. I was like, God damn it, Large! Why you ain't tell me about it? He was, he was like, Yo, we were just, we were just in the studio vibing. Like you, you, you weren't there. Like we were, you know. You got to be there. You know. You got to be present.
0: <laughs> so, if history had played out differently, and you just had been in the right place at the right time, you could have gotten onto
3: that track. I definitely think I could have gotten on a track. <laughs>
1: You know, I want to talk a little bit about, we're going to get back to uh, Live at the Barbecue a little bit later, but I have to ask you, so when you left Hot Wax and took the album home, was it Love at First Listen, front to back?
3: It, it was. My mind was blown completely by the scheme and the schematic from from front to back mm-hmm. and uh, just the skits and how the scenes were set very, very, very black exploitation Mm. it's one of the blackest albums in terms of digging deep into those vibes of what 70's felt like if
1: something is yours by right then fight for it or shut up
2: up. rappers can dance, sing and shake their thing at the same time can't rhyme. They probably think that as long as they're getting paid, they can sleep in a shade, but they'll fall like a cascade while I drop
3: skills over the drunk- For this podcast. I went back and listened to it and was was even just in awe um at the lyrical content yeah uh, uh of the songs and uh just how old he was at the time and to be able to encompass what He wrote about uh, in his relationship and looking at the front door and Mm. the way he put lyrics together, I think, goes overlooked.
2: We fight every night. Now, that's not closure. I reminisce with bliss of when we was closer and wake up to be greeted by an argument again. You act like a 10. So immature. I try to concentrate on the cure. Keep looking at the front door, thinking if I were to evacuate, you'd probably be straighter than straight and wouldn't have so much hate, cause you don't know the pain i feel when I see you smiling. And when I roll up you start whiling, so I front like everything's honky
3: dory. The musicality of the album is just insane. But I think uh from a lyrical standpoint is just as, as brilliant. You know, what comes to mind off the bat is no pun intended, is a friendly game of baseball.
2: Mm shit, another young brother hit, I better go over my man's crib and get the pump. Cause to the cops shooting brothers is like playing baseball, and they're never in a slump. I guess when they shoot up a crew it's a grand slam, and when it's one it's a home run. But I'ma be ready with a wild pitch, my finger got a bad twitch, plus I wanna switch sides and step up to the batter's box. Fuck red and white, I got on black socks, but let them shoot a person from the white socks. What's the call?
3: And that's the song that just inspired me, just blew my mind from a writing standpoint, from a metaphorical standpoint. Baseball is like uh, probably my favorite of the three sports basketball, football, Mm -hmm. and he just uh, elaborated so insane on that record. So yeah, that's the one that blew me away the most.
1: Can you put 1991 in perspective for us in terms of hip hop? What was that for those that don't know? What were albums like? What was the sound of 1991? What was the sound of 1991 New York?
3: It was. It was the beginning of, of the golden, the golden era, and I think this was one of the albums that set the bar for that. You know, it was. It was a lot of James Brown and use of, usage of impeach the president. <laughs> Funky drummer and 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 uh you know in loops, but I think he really went into his bag and and dug on drums and uh samples that evoked and and brought to fruition what what they were looking for in terms of uh you know the the vibe. Everything was concise. you could tell that where where things weren't quite meeting. What the vision was he would bring in uh live musicians, we shared an engineer anton Puchowski, oh yeah who yeah who played uh live instrumentation on a lot of the the organized stuff but um you know Paul was the first, and you know Paul was the first definitely
1: breaking Adams is is certainly uh sample heavy are are there any favorite uses, favorite samples that you have from the album? Ones that you think just uh, just did it for you.
3: It would it would have to be the uh, I believe it's Lou Donaldson, if I'm not mistaken, the, the friendly game of baseball. it's just where i've always been i love dark chords and i love dark rock and hip hop and you know it just it just puts you in a concentrating face scrunch face mode as soon as it <laughs> drops in yeah you start off with a gunshot and oh shit yeah and it paints a picture so well you know brilliant
1: I guess one of my favorite uses is on uh, just hanging out. I'm just hanging out. I'm just. Cause uh, I love my uh, sister Nancy, so I love that bam 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 And I like that song in particular because the tempo, I'm from L.A., so the tempo to me was really West Coast. And uh, right. and I like that because the, the feel of the whole album to me was fast. It was fast. You were moving fast, head nodding right. fast. And just hanging out slowed it down for me and made it that much more appealing. But but I love that sample. I love Sister Nancy and I love Bam Bam. And I, and I just love the use of samples on this album. And to your point, I think it did really capture black exploitation in the 70s. It sort of had that feel. I know a lot of people talk about looking at the front door. And, and some of the samples in there, but for me, just hanging out would uh, would be one of the standouts for me.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it. I think for me, that was the first time I heard that Sister Nancy on a hip hop record. You know, like yeah. used within the with the mix of that, and I, I thought that was so brilliant because the DJs being from Toronto, right? I'm, I'm sure they're immersed in Jamaican culture. Yeah. So the blend of those two things was just like. I was like, I quit. I quit. There's no need to make music anymore. (laughs) Right. And not
0: to go too far afield, but just to hear that Sister Nancy Bam Bam get recycled back through Kanye, through Jay-Z last year, it has become part of this hip-hop lineage that to me, to your point, Morgan, it really, to me, always leads me back to main source because I don't remember anyone flipping it prior to that. Since we're talking about the production part of it, and every time... I listened to this album, and just to kind of put this in context, this was actually, I think, perhaps the first hip-hop album I ever bought because it got... I don't think it was a 5 micro in the source, but it was at least four or four and a half. Mm. And I knew Mm -hmm. nothing about the group. I might have heard Looking at the Front Door because that was the first single, but I pretty much just bought the album. I bought it on cassette like you did, uh, Munch, on -hmm. the strength of the review. And what still blows me away now as it did then is it is the first... Example of a hip hop record where I felt like the producer and again we're talking about Large Professor here. He actually put bridges into the song arrangements in terms of song yeah. structure. And prior to that, it's it's you know it's basically uh, you know uh, uh, verse hook verse hook. Right. But then Paul puts in a legitimate bridge set yeah. and flips the sample and uses something completely different.
3: Had anyone else done that at, at least at like, the same stature? I haven't. I had not heard anything like that to that you know release of that record, like i said though the 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 many things there's multi layered things about the record, but again, like you said, that was one of the things that really stood out. It feels like it was composed that way purposely, and he thought to you know hey, this record needs a a pre chorus and this record needs right, uh, right. To, to to come into this uh a signature to come into this chorus and an ending. And uh it, it, it was the first time I heard those type of schematics uh, so put throughout an entire project and a song set up like uh, Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. And even in the setting up of the song Snake Eyes, is it's, it's, it's uh, Ike Turner, you know, the way he plays... The piano uh, and, and that uh, build up to uh, the sample. Right. It's just so rich and feeling. Like I listened to the original song today, I'm like, Jesus, like just amazing composition. All of those different things are kind of like chops and samples from uh, black films and political films and black exploitation films, which added to, like, you're getting an uh, introduction into the song that's going to, you know, just blossom, you know, at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: in the say you best friends because the tail shake like a rattle behind like a saddle that'll be the reason why you
0: from I love that you bring bring up snake eyes because it's one of my favorite tracks off of there it, it is to me one of the great examples of the perfect way to begin an album just in terms of being track A1 and to go back to the thing I was saying before you listen to it and in the middle of the song Large Professor brings in a completely new beat made from, I think it was a Jesse Anderson 45, which serves as the bridge to it. Again, this is something where normally prior to this, any loop that you would have heard, you would have heard it at some point earlier, and it would have existed throughout the song. And this is a case where it felt like large professors were like, well, we just need something different here, so I'm just going to take 10 seconds out and put this in, and we're not going to hear it again, but I'm just going to give you this little little taste and, and make it, you know, it, it just to make the arrangement more sophisticated, which is the point that you've been making, Manch.
2: Dice in the jungle of concrete within them corrode the streets. with the girls get fouled on the, gods. Why? the guys. Get on Why? Four producers are telling lies.
1: We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Heat Rocks. Don't go anywhere. Why?
2: So here's the solution to the problem that lies ahead.
1: Are you sad and
0: confused about world politics? Worried about the upcoming inevitable nuclear war? Or maybe a rat is living in your house? There's a rat living in my house. How do you get rid of a rat from a house? Why not immerse yourself in a completely fictional, imagined podcast for the beef and dairy industries? It works for me. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. Don't worry, it's funnier than it sounds find us at beefanddairynetwork.com or maximumfun.org or wherever you get your podcast from oh god there's the rat oh god Following the news is hard and it sucks. How do you know which stories are important? Which sources do you trust in this post-truth world of reactionary journalism? I'm Brett Black. And I'm Travis McElroy. And we host a podcast called Trends Like These. We cover trending news stories. We debunk misleading clickbait headlines. And we always try to throw in a little bit of good news. In our quest for truth! So join us every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found.
1: We have a special announcement, y'all. We'll be doing another live taping of Heat Rocks in downtown Los Angeles coming up Saturday, March the 3rd. Our guest will be Justin
0: Simeon, creator and director of Dear White People on Netflix. We are going to be talking about Michael Jackson's His Curry. I never know how to pronounce it. It's history, 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 whatever. <laughs> but his album from the late 1990s. And we will be again doing this in conjunction with the folks at Voyager Institute. And the event will be held again at resident in the Arts District of downtown Los Angeles.
1: The event is 21 and over, but it is free.com. And we'll be getting things started at 5 p.m. Once again, that's on March the 3rd. Please do join us. In prep for this chat with us. And listening to the album again, what did you hear this time that you think you might have missed first time around? Or what did you appreciate more this time that might have been lost on you first time around?
3: Definitely the lyrics. Like, the lyrics are as precise and arranged as the music. I think a lot of this comes from study, you know, of the greats himself, but also when you view the whole composition sometimes from a DJ's perspective, you, you do feel like there needs to be, there organically and mathematically needs to be a change right here. Mm. Uh, eight bars in, 16 bars in, and there needs to be a bridge here. What? How would I bring this record in from this record? And I think even back then, and he definitely, you know, he's killing the DJ scene now, thought about it from a DJ's perspective and you get that from your premieres and your Pete Rocks and your large professors I think they were schematically looking at music in a way that someone who just picked up a sampler wasn't in that time you know uh, but but to answer your question the, the vocals even play a huge part of an instrument sonically mm-hmm. um He's hitting certain pitches and tones
1: Mm.
3: on certain records like Snake Eyes. Uh, He projects to make his voice pop through that particular sample. Um, It's etched in there in a certain way. And then uh, schematically going out, he hits the chorus a certain way. So all of those things were, were, were going into the thought process. And it's just amazing to think in 91... It was so concise, and you know that's what a, a professor is. You know,
0: I don't know. I'm a, I'm a professor. Like that's my literal day job. I don't know if concision is one of the things my students would describe me as being one of my stronger elements, but I'll I'll try to live up to that ideal at the very least.
1: Precision, though, precision <laughs> is one of your one of your elements. One of the things that I noticed listening to this album again, and I listened to it a couple of times yesterday and a couple times this morning, is I paid attention to one of the songs that I really liked, but I listened to it differently this time, and that's peace is not the word to play.
2: Peace. Peace of what? You can't mean P-E-A-C-E. Cause I've seen people on the streets shoot the next man and turn around and say peace. But that's leaving people in pieces. Snap what's what the meaning of peace is. Not the and we're so accustomed to. What life to me once.
1: I heard it the first time and was so focused on just the sample. I, I like Lynn Collins, and Lynn Collins is is covering Marva Whitney. But mm-hmm. I listened to it again and I was like, man, this is like turntable 101 plus advanced turntablism. It's cuts, it's scratches. That song is dope. And I don't know why that was lost on me the first time around. I think I wasn't really expecting it. Can you talk a little bit about the DJ culture um, of this album?
3: Yeah. And again, like even, uh, you know, people were were scratching then on records, but the usage of the scratching on piece just adds to the excitement and the energy of the song. You could tell specifically where the scratching is used. They were like, you know, the the energy needs to raise right here to bring the awareness to the social political record that it was. And again, you know, that's like my second favorite record on the song. I probably tweet about peace is not the word to play like once a year. Mm. I probably tweet the lyrics once a year. Um, just again, uh, wordplay on the word peace back then and, uh, the violence that was going on in, in, in society and in, in the hip hop world at the time. Just, and the energy of that record is just still one of my favorite records of all time. Not even that album, like literally. It also felt like
0: they took a risk in terms of much of that song is just instrumental. Like the mm-hmm. verses don't last that long. And when you think the song would be naturally over just based on the fact that nobody's rapping anymore, it, it goes on for another two, three <laughs> minutes. Like he just really let the tape roll on that yeah. one, which is, again, when we think about the album in the musical context, I know we're talking also about the lyrics here, but, and, and, and the DJing, but just those differences that I just had never heard someone do a verse for one minute and then you've got three more minutes where it's just the the, the beat rolling and, and taking in all the directions that, that uh um, that, that large professor wanted to to take it in.
1: That's one yeah. of my favorite songs now, listening to it now. Um I yeah. like I liked it before but I I appreciated it differently listening to it to it again. Yeah.
3: You could see on that song where the DJs uh played a part in uh, the making of the record and he, he it's kinda like they're a band and he's giving them they're solo, you know they're speaking at some points in the record. he's like, "Okay, I did my rap now, you' all say what you have to say with your hands again, adding to the element of of the excitement because uh he's scratching in that uh Marva Whitney at the end, and she's singing real passionate
1: things got passionately
3: better. it's just like mm-hmm. you know it's hair it's your, your hair raises on your yeah on your skin." Hey!
0: Shout out to Sir Scratch and k For Cut. sure. So we've been talking a lot about different songs off of here, but if you had to pick the fire track off of this LP, what would it be? <sighs>
3: <sighs> <laughs> wow. Tough heavy, crowd. S- heavy it, sigh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's got to be baseball. It's
0: got to be baseball. Yeah. It's also a song, and I think you were touching on this a little bit earlier, is that and this is unfortunate that it's resonance. You can mm-hmm. play that song in ninety one, you can play it in two thousand one, you can play it in two thousand eighteen. It doesn't lose any of its relevance or any of its power because it's the same we're responding to the same basic issues year after year after year. Um in addition to the brilliance of the metaphor, uh much as you were saying before, in terms of taking, you know, all these all these baseball uh analogies and metaphors and, and flipping it into a song about police violence, you know.
3: Yeah and 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 you know those songs will always be relevant and we we need them we need new ones it, it, the conversation needs to be had still uh with new generations but i think about the song and and again i think about lyrically uh Stuff like, let him cough up blood like phlegm. Mm. It's grim, mm. but dead is my antonym. And
2: let him cough up blood like phlegm. It's grim, but dead is my antonym. And legally they can't take a fall. Go check it out, it's just a friendly game of baseball.
3: You know, I was like, all right, stop the song right there. Like, <laughs> it just paints a picture of how disgusted he is. With the situation. Yeah. So, you know, not only is there a situation, but he's, he's at his wit's end with it, and he's tired of discussing it, and he's tired of it uh, transpiring for so long in his lifetime, and then you take that and co- encompass that, it's still happening. So, mm. you know, when you listen to a song like that, it's just uh, even more compelling uh, now as it was then
1: I wanted to uh, circle back to Live at the Barbecue
2: Street's disciple My rap's a trifle I shoot slugs from my brain just like a rifle Stampede the stage, I leave the microphone split Play Mr. Tuffy while I'm on some pretty tone shit Verbal assassin, my architect pleases When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus Nasty knives is a rebel to America Police murderer, I'm causing hysteria Roll up with
1: a strange force. I to you about sword. this quote from Nas who was asked a couple of years ago about his verse and what he said was I specifically meant for that verse to spark my whole existence in rap music. So I approached it that way and I felt like this is it. You only get one chance to make a first impression. So I went for it. A lot of people call that Nas's coming out party. Do you think so?
3: I definitely think so. I think it was so much uh, <laughs> coming out party that, you know, rappers today who who are immersed in lyricism still try to top that line and have still tried to write as uh, as a shocking line as that in that time period, mm. you know. I don't think people were... You know, in our and in, in our culture at the time in 91, challenging religion like it's being challenged now. So it was a heavy, heavy line. Uh, uh, when I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. Well, it was a heavy line. Um, you could look back at it and, you know, think what you may, but when he dropped the line, it was super impactful. And, uh, you know hardcore thugs and rappers were like, how could he say that? Wow. You know, <laughs> it was like, yo. And then, you know, uh, uh, after that, many, many, many have tried to write uh, a line to have that same effect as that line. And, you know, that there's a uh, uh, few who have come close and, and and next to it, and that's you know again from the brainchild of this album, Breaking Adam's Large Professor spawned that that career with with that song, Live at the Barbecue. We've talked about two of the biggest songs
0: off of the album, and I'm wondering, is there a sleeper cut on here that you don't think
3: gets enough recognition? I would probably say uh, he got so much soul. He got so much-
0: Kind of buried on the B side, you know. You have to really sit with it, let the auto reverse take you all the way back,
3: you know, in order <laughs> right. to, to get there. <laughs> what is it about that track? Just, the, just the movement, like a, we we talked about earlier, it was really a um up tempo album, and uh, the the groove of the horns, just the the, the the groove of the rhymes. You could really like kind of uh step to it and and dance to it. It felt like. Um, it felt like New York at the time, man. It was, you know, things were really happening fast, and I, I, I think that album captured it. But that's one of the songs on the album that I, I let rock and turned up, even though it's not one of the more talked-about songs.
1: Is there a song on the album that you'd either love to remix or, or love to have had a verse on.
3: That would be barbecue. <laughs>
0: now, is that just because of the import of the song in hindsight or you think it was just a hot-ass posse track that you would have liked yeah. to have been a, a part of, just on its own merits, regardless of its legacy 25-plus you know, years later?
3: The Bob James sample yeah. is one of the perennial songs and samples that you drop that in every MC in the building, it's like, I got something, I got something, give me my chance, (laughs) and so... (laughs) way that that song was arranged fit that mode of you know it's like that y'all that y'all that y'all and that's all next person up and so it just felt like next person up next person up and you know that is so encompassed what was going on at the time like uh you know in ciphers and things that were going on in the city so I don't know about remixing that song I think it's probably Unremixable, but I I would have loved a chance to be on it. The question that I want to ask that I'm not would be,
0: who would you take off in order to make room for yourself? But that just feels disrespectful, so I won't take it
1: there. Tough, (laughs) tough crowd.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely won't answer that.
1: (laughs) 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 We talked about uh, just a friendly game of baseball. Oliver mentioned how the themes are so relevant today. Um, released in 1991 but relevant today one of the criterion uh, we use to describe a heat rock is beyond its uh, social and cultural relevance an album that ages well do you think breaking Adams has aged well does it sound like it's straight out of 1991 or does it sound like you could bump it today with with no time lost
3: oh man it's just, uh, it's no question you know again looking at the front door it's, it's a danceable record, it's a relationship record, it's about love lost, such a, a heartfelt record that it resonates still when you when you drop it, you know, classic, total classic, you know, the the album is heartfelt, and I think if you are uh, receptive to artistry, there's no way you can uh, uh, listen to this album and feel... It's dated because uh, so much uh, heart and soul and, and, you know, thought process went into putting this album together from front to back. And uh, I think that's what makes it stand
0: the test of time. We always ask our guests as a way to wrap things up uh, the following question, which is this. If you had to describe Breaking Adams in three words,
3: what would those three words be? First thing that came to mind, I'm gonna just go with that, and uh so much soul. Mm. <laughs> totally on point. Mm-hmm.
0: That'll do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest Pharaoh Munch. Munch, what are you working on right
3: now? Um, I'm working on a uh, my 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 baby of all children. And I've been working on it consistently for the last four years. It's like a, um, it's just a rock fill project. Management tells me not to use the word rock because people <laughs> go to so many different places in their mind when right. you say that. But um, it's 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 a Sabbath feeling, Zeppelin feeling, the uh, blend of uh aggressive dark hip hop pretty demonic <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> Thank you brother so much for taking the time to talk to us on Heat Rocks and also for bringing uh this album. We were thrilled when we found out that this was your choice and uh, it's just it's lovely to hear someone that's uh as excited about Breaking Adams uh a- as we are. So thank you so much. do uh, Dope, for man, with I appreciate
3: us. it. Where can people find you out there? Uh you can find me, Faro Monch, on Twitter, Farrell Monch on Instagram. That's pretty much it. I'm, I'm working on the, the, the new site for Faro Monch, and you're going to be uh, actually giving the people the name of the band and all that pretty soon. So just check on my social media for all of that.
1: Great. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Morgan Rhodes, and Oliver Wang. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself, Oliver, and Kara Hart. And today's show was engineered and edited by Kara Hart. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And our executive producer, a.k.a. the Max Fun OG, is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the wonder-filled Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. Just a brief announcement from your Heat Rocks family and hosts. We are moving to Thursdays. Set your alarm. Get ready because we're moving to Thursday. Be
0: sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Heat Rocks Pod. We got a Facebook group as well, and you can find a link to that on our webpage, heatrockspod.com. Our website is also where we will post show notes for every episode, including a track listing of everything that you've heard today and other goodies. Again, that's at HeatRocksPod.com.
1: Good to see you, Oliver.
0: Good to see you too, Morgan. And just one last thing, we want to give you a sneak peek at next week's episode, right now. The drums
2: and bass on the, and as the, as the whole album begins is one of the one of the colder licks of all time. But also uh the end when when he's kind of telling the story about summing up the whole situation and is like a saxophone line playing that that always is really sweet to me
0: MaximumFun.org. comedy and culture artist owned listener supported